Hello and welcome to the Courageous Path podcast with me, Rachel Horton White. You can find this podcast at SoundCloud or iTunes and follow or subscribe there. And to learn more about me and Soulful Work Intuitive Consulting, you can visit www.soulfulworkconsulting.com. Today I am delighted to share an interview I did with the person who cuts my hair and has done so for many years. His name is Jamie O'Sullivan. This interview I am calling Choosing to Live. And it is especially exciting for me to share this with you now because for years now I have heard Jamie's enlightening, mind-opening, inspiring words of his perspective on life and on of the universe and on people and on Um, patterns that we all face. And especially today, Jamie has opened his heart, his soul to you in sharing his story. Um, This story, as you will hear, is about his receiving an HIV positive diagnosis at a young age and not allowing that to hold him back from enjoying his life, giving him a perspective of being connected to something higher than himself and essentially finding ways to be happy and to be grateful for all that he has. James Alton O'Sullivan was born December 4th, 1974 in Manchester, New Hampshire. He grew up in New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts, and by the age of five, his parents decided to move home to their home state of Maine. Since then, Portland, Maine has primarily been Jamie's home. He graduated from Portland High School in 1993, and after a short stint at the Evergreen State College, he attended Pierre's School of Beauty. Jamie has been a licensed cosmetologist since 1998 and currently has a salon at 142 High Street, Suite 512 in Portland, Maine, and can be reached at 207-318-7895. His hobbies include DJing, snowboarding, skateboarding, camping, swimming, and biking, really anything outside. At home, he loves to cook, and listen to music, and watch endless amounts of television and movies. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Jamie. It is incredibly inspiring for me personally to hear somebody share so much honesty and the um, vulnerable side of themselves and their life story. Enjoy. Hey, Jamie, how's it going? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for chatting with me today. And I wanted to talk to you because I've gotten to know you over the years by coming to you to get awesome haircuts um, at Jamie O'Sullivan Salon. Correct. Located at 142 High Street. (laughs) You got to do a little plug. Room 512. There you go. 318-7895. Yeah, and I just did a review on your Facebook page too. I can't believe I've done that yet. Um, So, and they're super, he's one of the best hairstylists around. He's affordable. Okay. Moving on. (laughs) So I've always enjoyed our conversations. It's like mind opening for me. You know, I always leave here thinking about things in different ways I have in the way from before I came in. And also I've been inspired by the fact that you, you know, you live life in your own terms. You go snowboarding when you want, you know, you go travel around the country and play music as a DJ for people and you started your own business. And, you know, it's like, can you talk a little bit about that and you know how you came to be living that this 
life, or you know, I guess we could get specific in starting your how you came to start this business. Well, I first became a hairstylist in 1998 after having dropped out of college and working around town for a few years. And the reason that I dropped out of college was I had found out that I was HIV positive, and that completely sort of changed what it was I was thinking or doing at the time. Um, it was 1993, people were not living, people were dying. Um, even the doctors that I had talked to at the time gave me like a 10 to 12 year diagnosis. Uh, probably would have that much time to left to live. And so I didn't know what to do. I was 19 years old, I sort of just started life, and I came back to Maine, and I was in some relationships, and I did what I could every day. And that led me to here, where I am now. I All, all roads led to my business, um, which I finally got when I was 30. Um, I floundered for a few years, and then I went to beauty school, and I had a bunch of people that were supportive in my life at the time. I had a family that was very supportive, so I was lucky in that sense. And the people that supported me helped me go through beauty school. My father helped me a little bit. Um, I worked part-time at a bar. I was like a dishwasher. Um, I had previously been a lifeguard and like a camp counselor and all this other uh, taught swimming lessons and things like that. But I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And the thing that I went to college for was to be a scientist and that wasn't gonna happen. Mm -hmm. I could have gone back to school, but I just wasn't interested. And I, that one year in school really showed me that I wasn't really cut out for that sort of learning either. Like I really yeah. wasn't interested in doing statistics for the rest of my life. Right. I love nature, I love being outside, I love knowing what yeah. it is that I'm looking at and how things work, the curiosity of how things work and how life works and how people are and all that stuff. But to do it as a job, I didn't see myself doing yeah. it. I saw myself maybe as a teacher. So. I ended up floundering for a few years, going to beauty school, and then I worked as a self-employed hairstylist at a few different places. I went to move to Washington, D.C. for a year. I was actually living in Bethesda, Maryland and working just on the border of D.C. And that was the first time I didn't actually like hairstyling. That was in 2001, and I really wasn't really enjoying it very much because the people that in the, the area, the type of people that were in that area, were they had a lot of money, and they were all very unhappy. And I just could see that, like, there, that it was like I wasn't really um, a peer to them. I was mm -hmm. a subservient worker. Mm -hmm. And this one person who I really enjoyed, she was this woman, super chill. She was a head nutritionist at the zoo, the National Zoo. She was really cool. And I, I think the third time I cut her hair, I asked her where she was from. And she told me she was from South Portland, Maine. And wow. I thought, oh, that's right. You know, so I was drawn to come back to Maine after that year there. I really didn't. I was looking to get out of Portland, but I came back to Portland, and um, from that point on, I was 27 at the time, so that was sort of end my 20s. Things were a little rough with me. Relationships were up and down. Business stuff was up and down. The salon that I would worked at before, I really didn't want to go back to, so I came back to a different salon, and all that changed, and by the time I was 30, I ended up with my own studio. Yeah. Some things had happened, and I was single, living on my own, and had my own business, and in my late 20s, Business partners and boyfriends uh, were telling me that I was crazy, that I was an asshole, that I was this horrible person, and I had to like sort of prove to myself that I wasn't. And I, over my through my thirties and with my business, that's my how I did, and I and I managed to how I did it, and had managed to make that something that was my life that I wanted for myself. That were my goals, and as I got older, I realized that. I should have more than just a one month plan or a one year yeah. plan that I needed maybe a five year plan or a 12 year plan. And now I'm sort of looking into the next 20 yeah, years and how I'm going to figure out how to retire. And, and that was that 
I mean, just the facing death in that sense of, you know, at that point when you got that diagnosis, that's just an amazing thing. I mean, I think, some, you know, in my life I complain about little things here and there, you know, my job, my past jobs, but that's nothing compared to what you went through. And, and I mean, that's uh, like, what, so can you, I mean, like what shifted I in your mind? That, well, everyone faces their mortality at some point in their life, right? And everyone, right. a lot of people do the same things. They they, uh, they, they don't hold resentments anymore. They, they have a list of things that they want to do with their life and they try to do as many of them as they can before they pass. And they don't sweat the small stuff. You don't hold grudges. And maybe you sit a little bit longer to look at that sunset, or you sit a bit longer to like take that view in that you um, that you like are looking at. Yeah. And I think that that's something that happens for everybody at some point in their life. Some people, unfortunately, it happens to them like on their deathbed, and yes. they don't have a chance to change it. Some people, it happens at a really young age. And so it was sort of like how many people in their twenties are just so caught up with like some stupid shit. And sure, I was caught up with a lot of stupid shit. But there was also something a little bit deeper about what I was trying to take in with the world and yeah. what I was seeking out. And then in my 30s, I like was really seeking out more of a connection with uh, individuals more like myself um, without moving. And I found the Radical Fairies and I found something called Burning Man. And I, you know, I'd always been like someone that likes to go to raves and I love music and that's where the DJing started. And I love sharing that with people and I love that interaction and that communal energy that people put together yeah. and then with some of these events it's a little more than just a dance party you've got people that are actually creating a temporary community and mm -hmm. and they're looking for that similar connection with those people too they're creating mm -hmm. that space for you to be at for you to come to and and that's another thing was I was looking for those connections and in the last 10 years I've really found another group of people that for now are my tribe and I went out to California to an event and I had this great time with all these like-minded people and I think that like you can use the internet to find certain people mm -hmm. but then unless you can be around them together it's a little it's yeah, not the same it's not the same energy. it's not the same you know so I do my monthly dance party at Flask and that brings people out and I enjoy that the music thing was the like the 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 art the the creative outlet that I didn't have like my work is fairly creative and then yeah. snowboarding to me is super creative just like yeah. how you ride down the mountain and yeah. like how that kind of thing um but as far as like going back to like the HIV thing like being faced with it I mean I'm really lucky like people that have Crohn's disease you know I yeah. mean people suffer a lot more with diseases that when you get diagnosed people say oh well it's maintainable but they are pain in the ass like <laughs> I've yeah. had a really lucky go of it, and I don't know what that is, and I'm very thankful, knocking on wood right here, mm -hmm. um, about how lucky I've been to not have any opportunistic infections. And, you know, when I first was diagnosed, I hung out with a lot of people that had HIV. Like, I went to these support groups, and I went to a, a camp. I volunteered at this camp, Camp Chrysalis, and I was around a lot of people that were diagnosed, and they had been also told they had so many years to live, and wow. most of them are dead because they were sort of just sitting around waiting to die. Like, really? they accepted their diagnosis, and they were like, okay, well, I'm just going to sit around and wait for it to happen and it happened and I was just so young I didn't think I had much of a choice you know I just definitely was like well that's not much of an option for me I haven't even lived yeah. yet yeah. so I don't know if that part of it you know I also Amazing. worked at a nursing home for a period of time and people would always pass around holidays or their birthday mm -hmm. they could be real sick for a whole year and then make mm -hmm. it to that one last event mm -hmm. that they wanted to see or witness and, and then but, let themselves go so I find that incredible I mean it's just like you made a choice to, that you wanted to live in a different way and what you were talking about with 
connecting with people and finding your tribe too, I think is people are craving that so badly these days, you know, with, you know, the, the smartphones and, you know, Facebook and internet, all that does have its advantages, but the disadvantage is that people become isolated and connecting through the internet and not seeing anybody face to face, like you said, is not the same. And so, you know, part of my work is, is helping people to evolve this higher place, connecting with their inner selves to find happiness and alignment. And I feel like, you know, do you, I feel like you're doing that as well through your music. What do you think about that? I mean, I try, I try, like I try to make the best of it, but there's also a lot of like, almost seems like lying to yourself a little bit about how happy you are, right? Like, you gotta, <laughs> like, like you make it. yeah, I mean, totally. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm not always feeling awesome about the people around me or the world around me for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah a lot of us it's aren't. a lot of, it's really, really difficult. So I think that that maybe I have an easier way to cope with it because I'd already learned some coping mechanisms yeah. for being HIV positive at a young age. Yeah. So I can apply that same sort of thing to other situations in life. Yeah. And that took a lot of work. I did. Yep. I did like some, um, you know, weekend retreat stuff. I did therapy. I. Yeah. You know, I yep. did other things that like helped me create certain tools to have and I think I'm still trying and I think that's the goal for a lot of people in mm -hmm. life is to try to keep keep doing that and um, mm -hmm. I think for sure using the computer and the internet and technology is an amazing part of moving forward with stuff but certainly only doing that interaction when you're by yourself at home is not where it's yeah. at, at all. And I mean you've had, we've had some pretty out there conversations, I mean some would call them out there. But I know that, I mean, the way you think about things, the way you see things is very, um, I don't want to say deep or different because I think you see truth. You know, I believe that you see truth of oh, the way you. things exist in our universe. And I'm just wondering how, how you see your role in your life in terms of, <laughs> no diving in deep, but your existence is connected with other people, and how do you see that? Well, you are, you sort of told, you said it yourself, um, that you would talk to me earlier and tell me that I have a story to tell, and that story will help other people, and that's how I see it, you know, like, that's something that somebody told me at one of those fairy gatherings, and I forget his name, I think it was Mountain, but he hmm. told me, maybe it wasn't. No, it wasn't Mountain, it was Mountain's friend, but he told me that same thing, he said, you have a story, you have a story to tell, tell your story. Your story will help it. people. This, you know, will. So, yeah. you know, like, yeah. especially if you're someone from America living with all that privilege and then getting so caught up in this whatever it is, you're really missing out on what the big picture is. Like, there's a really blessed life that you've been given if you have a roof over your head, uh, a vehicle, like a, any amount of income, um, the luxury of being able to appreciate art and music around you. Like, that is not what everyone has at all. So if you have any of that stuff, you're already a prince or princess of this world, you know? And to, 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 to let something like an illness or something else get in the way of really living your life to the fullest is just such a waste of time. Like, it's just not, not, you're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. You know, we have live in a beautiful place. There's so many things to be thankful for. And I do remember thinking when I was a kid, um, something that I thought to myself, which was, 
not being afraid of death. And that like at a really young age, I don't even know why I thought it, but not being afraid of death, but the fear of getting sick and dying or the fear of not living just because it's like yes. the idea that you love life so much, you know? Yes. And I think people, yeah, this is really, it is a gift. It's a total yes. gift. And to try to live it to the fullest. And yeah, shit sucks. And people yeah. kind of suck and all that other stuff. But <laughs> well, human nature. you can't let yourself get caught up in it because yeah. then you've like, you know, you've fallen into it. It's not good. Um, and it's hard to do that. I mean, I think so many people know that they aren't happy with their lives as they are and they want to change things. But they don't really know how. You know, take it once, one breath at a time, right? You wake up, you take a breath, you figure out something to do. And, you know, I mean... I think yeah. most people share, like, life is pretty simple. You know, it's uh, it's food, it's nourishment, it's laughter, it's exercise, you know, it's something creative. Yeah. It's like a day-to-day life can be very simple and the most fulfilling. Yeah, absolutely. People get a little too caught up in too much. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, I know, I know about your, you know, what your evolution of your life now. I'm just, you know, that you're settling, thinking about settling down a little more, Maybe, maybe not, but and I know we've got to wrap up soon, but um wondering like what do you see your where do you see your in your future, like in five years or ten years? You know, I don't know. I mean I see myself in Maine. I see myself having a home somewhere in the woods close to nature. Yeah. Um I'm you know, I see myself wanting that more as I get older. Um not losing complete connection with the uh, city life or or maybe that's how I make my money, but um see myself continuing to nourish the part of me that needs like music dancing connection mm-hmm. um that sort of life uh getting that when i need it and um you know trying to make the best of the moment yeah that's beautiful it's all you got that's beautiful you know and there's also that thing about you know you have maybe more than this life if you think that all you have is right now and that's just there's so much pressure to like figure out what you have but you know, there's a potential that the thing that created you, that energy that you are, it has always been, and it will always be, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're already kind of part of something that's way bigger than you anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it takes the pressure off from yeah. trying to do it all in this in this life, I guess. That, I love that. It takes the pressure off. Well, Jamie, unless you want to leave any with any parting words, I know that um, we've got to wrap up, but... This has been an honor for you to uh, share your story with me. No, I don't know. I think that's great. I'm happy that you asked me and yeah. appreciate it. And yeah. Well, thanks so much for your You're time. You're welcome. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And if you'd like to learn more about me, you can visit, again, www.soulfulworkconsulting.com. And I'm Rachel Horton-White. Thanks so much for listening.